SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown with you for the next half hour. Lots to get through tonight. We'll be chatting some athletics as well as football, telecom knockout action, and uh, we'll be looking ahead to the rugby tomorrow as well. But let's start with some football news. Supersport United's flight was delayed by close to four hours today in the DRC due to logistical issues. Matsatanta lock horns with TP Mazembe in the CAF Confederations Cup final, the first leg on Sunday. SABC sport reporter Lebo Dube has more. The SAA Express uh, carrier did not have landing rights uh, this morning, uh, so they, they were not allowed uh, to land in, in Lumbubashi. So that was the issue, surprising, because yesterday uh, we took the same uh, carrier and we landed uh, on time. So uh, whether it is mind games played by the uh, opposition team, uh, whether it's mind games played by uh, the city of Lumbubashi, we cannot confirm that. So at this stage, it's very difficult for us to do our jobs. Tuckham knockout semi-final weekend as well. Chiefs uh, are up against Bidvest Vitz, while Polokwane City play Bloom Celtic on Sunday. For Kaiser Chiefs, the pressure firmly on uh, Chiefs coach Steve Compella uh, when they take on league champions at the Bidvest Stadium. It's the third season with Amakosi Compella's yet to win one of the big titles in the domestic football league. Compella says it's important to stick to the processes. I don't know, Mark. I'm a man of process. And and honestly, even with the outcome that is favorable, I would still assume that it belongs to the process, not myself. Maybe again, owning up as part of leadership, if it doesn't come through as favorable, then you stand up and own up and face again the music. It's part of life. When it is sweet, let's share. When it is sour, take it. Three Ramslam T20 matches uh, on the go at the moment. So the clash between the Dolphins and the Knights has been delayed due to rain in Durban. The Titans are 36 for two against the Warriors at Buffalo Park. That after 7.3 overs. And the Cobras 53 for the loss of one after seven overs against the Lions at the Wanderers. Coming up next, we'll chat some athletics. Have you voted for your favorite SABC3 Viewers' Choice Mrs. SA finalist? Want to know who the winner of the SABC3 Viewers' Choice will be and who takes the next Mrs. SA crown of virtue? Then don't miss the crowning ceremony on Sunday, 19 November 2017 at 6 p.m. Only on SABC3. The stage is yours. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And yesterday, uh, Athletic South Africa released uh, qualification criteria ahead of next year's under-20 world championships. Uh, and on face value, the numbers are ridiculous. We join now uh, by someone who's written an article about it for The Citizen, uh, sports reporter Wesley Botton. Wes, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Trap. Nice to, nice to chat, about, chat to you again. Pity about the circumstances. These numbers are ludicrous. Yeah, they are. They, they really are, man. Um, you know, we, we've got to consider that you're talking about athletes who are 18, 19 years old, and um, you're supposed to be grooming them. You're supposed to be giving them opportunities and, and opening the door, and they seem to be taking the opposite approach. Uh, I really think it's going to be a very small team. I don't think there's there's a lot of athletes at that age who, who are even capable of the performances that they're expecting just to, just to qualify to get to the World Championships. Yeah, absolutely. Let me put it out there as well that we did request an interview from Athletic South Africa. They unfortunately weren't available to chat to us this evening. So I'm, I'm keeping that door open. I'd love to chat to, to whether it be Ezekiel Sepeng and, and, and find out what the thinking behind it was. But whereas in your article, I mean, you go through some of the stats with regards to, to, to what the criteria is. And 
I mean, some of the, the, the sort of B standards uh, are, are tougher than the, the sort of A standards. T- tell us a little bit about uh, the, the sort of stats that we're looking at here. So, I mean, they've, they've kind of been harping on about it for a couple of years now, and, and I do get their point. They, they're just trying to, to raise the bar, and, and they're hoping that that'll improve performances across the board. But I, I, they've just taken it too far, man. So, um, for example, five, five of the qualifying standards in, in the various disciplines, um, those performances would have earned the athletes gold medals at the last World Championships. So essentially in those disciplines, you have to have achieved what the gold medalist at the last World Championships achieved just to qualify, just to wear a South African vest to go and compete. Um, like I said, they, they're closing the door. Uh, when you look at the statistics all the way through, um, for example, in, in the girls' 3,000-meter steeplechase, the qualifying standard for an 18-year-old um, is better than the South African senior record. So they're going to have to run faster than any South African has ever run in that event just to qualify for the World Junior Championships. And that's, um, it really is. It's, it's unfair. And... Um, I don't blame the athletes for, for the reaction that I've seen on social media. They're not happy about it, and um, I can see why. It's really not cool. What has what is, what is the reaction been like from the athletes? I mean, I, 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 Wes, I, like everyone else, am all for dangling a carrot in front of athletes, and, and not just youngsters, but athletes in general saying, if you achieve that, you get to go. But in my mind, they've put the, the carrot so far out there, these athletes can't even see the carrot. That's right. You know, you... you you don't want to send just anybody. You know, you want the country to be represented by athletes who are going to um, carry our flag with pride, obviously. But Athletics South Africa seems to have this, this idea that if an athlete goes to the World Championships and doesn't win a medal, that, that they've embarrassed us in some way. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think an athlete can motivate so many people just by competing at the World Championships. And, and I don't know why... Um, they can't see that. I don't know why they're, they're not taking that approach at junior level, but something's got to change. I, I think the reaction that we've seen this time um, has been more from parents, and, and you would expect that. You know, I, I think the athletes just kind of accept this is what's happened, this is what they've said, and this is what I have to do, whereas the, the parents take it far more personally, I think, um, and they, they've reacted. And they've reacted more than the senior athletes that earlier this year when they were also given stringent qualifying criteria for the World Championships. So because of how passionate parents are, I think they will approach Athletics South Africa. I think they will try and do something about it and hopefully get them to overturn the decision. But um, having dealt with ASA in the past and, and knowing how they've handled these things in the past, I don't see anything changing. So for now... Um, I think we just have to accept that we're going to have a very small team for the World Championships. Wes, you mentioned earlier this year the Senior World Championships that took place in London and uh, some of the outcry around that with, with athletes who had hit qualifying criteria that was set out by Athletics South Africa and were still left behind. I mean, obviously, with, with things like that happening, where you then raise the bar so much as they have with the under-20 criteria, it, it's still no guarantee, even if you are hitting the criteria, that you're going to go, which which is also not a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think what was really scary with regards to the senior championships is that we discovered eventually that the RAAF had actually offered to cover the costs of every single athlete who qualified. And Athletics South Africa still left 14 of them behind. There's no logical thinking behind that. I mean, what, what are you going to achieve by leaving a professional athlete behind after they've qualified to represent your country at the national championships? The, 
the athletes, I think, are becoming so despondent, especially at junior level, that it's a real concern now that, for example, in, let's take Brayton Poole, the high jumper, the World Youth High Jump Championship. He, he'll be going to the World Junior Championships because he's already achieved the qualifying standard. But if he had jumped four centimeters less than what he has, and, and let's consider that at his age, he is the best high jumper in the world. If he had been four centimeters lower than that, he wouldn't have gone. Now, Poole's a very talented rugby player. And... If he's going to go and play rugby and be guaranteed, if he plays well enough and is selected, that he's going to go to the World Cup or, or whatever tournament is on offer for athletes of that age, um, he's, going to have to take, he's going to have to take that into consideration and decide whether or not that's better for his future than a sport where no matter how hard he tries, um, he's not going to get into the team. And, and the times that he does, he, he doesn't know until the last minute because the the criteria is so unclear. Um, I, I don't see Athletic South Africa thinking about the athletes here. I, I don't see what they are thinking about. I don't know what they're taking into consideration and what they're hoping to achieve by it. It's just completely senseless across the board. And I hope that in the next year or two that something changes, maybe a decision changes with the board and they reassess this whole situation because as things are going, it's just getting worse and worse and it's, becoming, it's getting completely out of hand now. There's obviously a process that they're working towards, and that's Tokyo 2020. But like you say, having criteria this stringent, you, you're risking uh, shrinking the pool of athletes who could possibly qualify come 2020. You, you want to give the athletes a taste of what it's like and motivate them to, 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 to go, you know what, maybe I wasn't good enough this time around at the under-20s, but if I go back and work for the next three years, I've got a shot at going to the Olympics. You, you're not even giving them that chance. No, you're not. Let's take an athlete like Nicole Lowe, the 1,500-meter runner. Um, very young at this stage. She's only 16. But she's already showing the potential that she could qualify for the 2020 Olympics. Now, if you can take an athlete of that age and by the age of 19 have them competing at the World Youth Championships, the World Juniors, the World Seniors, and the Olympic Games, with the amount of experience that they have at such a young age, you're going to have a world-class athlete in their young 20s. If you don't give that athlete any opportunities, and the first time that they go overseas is when they compete at the next Olympic Games, you're not going to have a world-class athlete. You're going to have someone who's got a junior mindset trying to compete against seniors. So it's, it's very... Um, uh, I think it's very harmful. I think it's very harmful to the sport. I think it's very harmful to the athletes. And it's, all it's going to do is create despondent athletes who, who perhaps give up in the end. Uh, you know, if you say to me that at the age of 18, I have to run, and this is an incredible time for a qualifying standard for a junior athlete, you, you expect me to run 28 minutes and 53 seconds for 10,000 meters. And if I run a second slower than that, I'm not going to go to the World Championships. Uh, Brad, I, I think at some point I have to consider whether it's worth all the effort. Yeah, absolutely. Wes, I could not agree more. Wesley Botton from The Citizen, thank you so much. Uh, I'll tweet out the link to that article as well if you want to read some of those stats. I mean, the, the both the men's and women's 10,000-meter walk events, the national junior records will need to be shattered by more than two minutes for the athletes to get the nod to these under-20 world champs. Wes, I'll say it again, it's ludicrous, and I'm leaving that door open to Athletic South Africa. We'd love to chat to them, uh, hopefully get them on early next week to, to find out what the thinking behind this is. But uh, in my mind, uh, there wasn't too much, I'm afraid. Wesley Botton, thank you so much uh, for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. Enjoy your weekend. Anytime, Brad. Thanks, man. SAFM Sports Wrap.
Well, a big weekend of Telcom knockout action to look forward to this weekend. The first match taking place, the first semi-final, I should say, taking place tomorrow afternoon at the Bidvest Stadium. It is Kaiser Chiefs up against Bidvest Vitz. Should be a fantastic game to watch. But I think Sunday's match up at the old Peter Mokaba Stadium between Polokwane City and Bloom Celtic is going to be an absolute cracker. Should be a fantastic uh, match of football. We join now by a man who's having... Uh, Fantastic season in a purple patch of note, Rodney Ramachalela. Rodney, welcome onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks for for joining us. Thank you to you and the listener. Rodney, big weekend for you and the club this weekend. The opportunity to to get into a final. How how are you feeling? Yeah, big weekend indeed. Uh, we as Pugani City, I think uh, we we are we are much ready, and the guys are looking very sharp. And I think we're gonna make it to the next round. Looking at uh, a cup final, a team like Bloom Celtic, dangerous. We've seen what they've done up to, to this point. Uh, obviously, you can't go into a match uh, like Sundays and, and underestimate your opposition. Yeah, they, they, they have upper hand since they, they've won it uh, 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 last time. And for us, it's, City, it's about making history. So I think the, 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 the generation we have in the team, we, we are hungry to make history for the, for the team. And for us as players also, I think we're gonna uh, make it difficult for for safety, and it's gonna be an interesting game. Rodney, you talk about making history. Something's clicking at Polokwane City. You, you, you personally, I'll touch on on your form at, at uh, in a moment. But as a as a club, Polokwane City probably having their best season ever. Yeah, uh, I can say we we have started well uh, first two games. And uh, uh, the third one, that's when we, we sleep a bit, but we, we, we're trying to find our feedback again. And I think uh, uh, for us as Pulukwane City, we know what we have to do for, for Pulukwane City and for our supporters also. And uh, I believe we, we're going to do it again. Rodney, and, looking at, at your form, you've just come off the absolute uh, Premiership Player of the, the Month awards uh, that you've got for, for the last one. you scoring goals left, right and centre. You, you must be pretty happy with the way, the way you're playing in your form. Yeah, I'm I'm happy, and uh, I I thank my guys, my teammates, the coach, the supporters who voted for me for for the goal of the month, and also for the judge who who, who saw my 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 contribution to the team and make sure I I get the the, the player of the month. Rodney, looking at uh, the last performance in the in the cup, penalty shootout uh, win over Orlando Pirates was two two after after full time. How much confidence would you take out of a, a match like that, beating one of the the, the bigger teams in, in South African football to, to get to the point where you are now? You know, when you play Parade in Orlando, it's never been easy. And for us to, to come out with a victory in Orlando, it shows the hunger and, and the fighting spirit we had on the day. I think we will take that to the next game against Celtic. Rodney, and the break, obviously we've just come off an international break. It's uh, very been very much stop-start. Uh, are you guys feeling confident as, as the break? Do you think, has, has it done you done you well? Or, or are you concerned that it might have broken some momentum? No, for us, I think it's a, it's a good thing because we, we have uh, uh, many players who didn't participate for, for the past four games. Uh, 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 we had one thrill game in Pretoria, which they, they participate so. It was a good thing for us and for the coaches also to see where to rectify uh, uh, our mistakes, where uh, the, the mistakes we did against Paris. And Rodney, if you make it through to the final, who do you want to? Who would you rather face, Bidvest Vitz or Kaiser Chiefs? 
No, I can't. I can't choose who. who, who <laughs> whoever comes, we we are ready to look on the seat. We are ready for anyone. <laughs> You'll take it as it is, uh, Rodney. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time this thank evening you, here you. on SAFM Sports Chat. Best of luck for Sunday. Uh, let's uh, hope it's a fantastic game and may the best team win. Thank you, my brother. Ackermans now offers you the convenience of paying your SABC TV license and a variety of bills in store via the Pay At Network. Bills displaying the Pay At logo can be paid at any of our tills. Just show your bill reference and the cashier will verify your details and balance to you. And that's not all. Stand to win one of 100 Ackermans vouchers to the value of a 1,000 rand each when you pay your TV license this month. Ackermans, number one for value. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader. Big rugby to look forward to tomorrow night. And I'm not sure if I'm excited or not, particularly after last weekend's performance in Dublin. Craig Ray joins us now. Craig, it's been a bleak week for South African rugby following that loss against Ireland, then losing uh, the right to, to host the World Cup in 2023. Big night tomorrow night in Paris. Yeah, it has been a bleak week and it is a big night. I mean, I'm not sure, regardless of what happens in Paris, it's going to change anything in the uh, in the sense that this has still been a pretty poor year for the Springboks, and you know, those record losses to the All Blacks on Ireland have stained the, the season completely. And you know, beating a very mediocre French team uh, in Paris is not really going to get us shouting from the rooftops at all. Because this is a game we should win against a French side that's struggling. They've lost their last four tests in a row, and in fact, in 20 tests under Guy Noves, they've, they've won 37 percent. So. Yeah, they're worse than the Springboks. <laughs> Who, uh, yeah, he's been in charge a similar amount of time to Alistair Kutsiri. He's got a 41% winning record. So we really are, um, at best, seeing a match between two middleweights of uh, Tier 1 rugby, not heavyweights at all. Yeah, which is which is sad, just uh, hearing those words. But uh, Alistair Kutsiri making huge changes this week. Ten out of the, the 23 that were in the squad last week are, are no longer... Uh, I mean, that, that's huge. Yeah, it is, but I suppose you have to respond somehow. You know, you lose 38-3 to Ireland, the record loss to the Irish. What do you do? I mean, you've got to make some changes. And, you know, some of the changes are puzzling, though. He kept the entire back three, who was hopeless under the high ball against Ireland last week. And it was, you know, absolutely humiliating to see them struggle under Conor Murray's accurate kicking. And they've all retained their places. He's dropped Alton Jones. He's not surprisingly hasn't played well. Um, Jesse Creel keeps his place. You know, he hasn't done too much uh, right uh, in the last few weeks. And, uh, and you know, so it, it just feels like he's shuffling deck chairs. I suppose up front, it's, it's a little bit different. You've got it's a Dwayne Vermeulen back, which is, a, I think, a positive, although he hasn't played a lot of rugby uh, in recent weeks. He's played uh, two, uh, two club games or one-and-a-half club games, really, since a fairly long injury layoff. But at least he's, he's fit. Francois Lowe's back to his preferred open-side position. I think that... Helps a little bit. Wilco Lowe starting a test, and that's injury-enforced, of course, because Canelo Stavon yeah, started that test last week and was out in the, in the second minute. So, effectively, Wilco Lowe starting his second test. Um, so, I think the pack of forwards pretty much picks itself. I still think Stephen Kitzel may be uh, yeah, a good candidate to start, but really, it's uh, it's the back line that you, we worried about last week. We said, you know, what's going to go on behind the scrum, and it doesn't look that much more solid. I mean, Ross Grenier had a poor game last week. He retains his place. And, you know, if he still takes three steps to pass to Andre Pollard, then Pollard's not going to have any impact on the game either. So, you know, I think Pollard maybe brings a little bit more um, abrasiveness on the game line and he might stand closer to the game and take the ball flatter, which will give, you know, which will make Ross Grenier look a little bit better than Alton Jones. He's standing a little bit too deep. 
but even so, I'm not sure. You know, we've we we probably picked the only team we could on tour, but it just does show the depth of quality of rugby players in South Africa at the moment. You you mentioned our back three and how woeful they were underneath the high ball. Our kicking game last week was uh, pathetic as well, to say the least. Uh, a kicking game's only as good as your chases are as well. We didn't chase well. Are, are we going to see the same tactics tomorrow, Craig? We didn't have much ball last weekend, but what we did, we kicked away. Yeah, I don't think France is uh, technically astute as Ireland, so I think the Springboks might keep it, well, depending on the weather, of course, but they might keep ball in hand a little bit more against the French. I think, you know, they, they beat the French comfortably three times a year in June, and while that was yeah, there are varying factors there. They they did they were able to score quite easily against France and manipulate the French defence. And I think the Springboks will probably go for a slightly more ball in hand approach to this game um, against the French, weather conditions permitting. Because I don't think the French's defence is anywhere near as organised as Ireland. I mean that Irish line speed last week, the Springboks just didn't know how to cope with it. Which again, yeah, you just got the feeling the Springboks did no homework last week. You know, they seem to be surprised by everything. Ireland's line speed, Ireland's kicking game. These are not things that were surprised. It was almost the British and Irish Lions blueprint against New Zealand, uh, acted out in a strange grey jersey by the Irish. And, and the Springboks were caught by surprise. I don't think France will be as technically good as the Irish. Um, and so the Springboks, you know, might come away with this one scoring a few comfortable tries and, and look good. But uh, I really don't think, honestly... Whatever happens in this game, whether the Springboks win or lose, I don't think it really is going to make a difference to the season. And I think Alistair Kutu's days are numbered, regardless of what happens in, in this match. I was going to say, there's been uh, rumblings in the media this week that he's, uh, I don't want to say under pressure, because he's been under pressure for a while. But uh, as you say, his days might be numbered. Uh, do you think that's uh, fate complete, regardless of what the result is of this tour? The way I understand it, yes, from some sources, uh, I think that's the way it's going to be. The executive committee, the sorry, is meeting in December, and... I think the plan there is to terminate his contract. But, you know, uh, Brad, these things change weekly in rugby. And, you know, when the Expo suddenly meets and they hit a snag and, and maybe there's something, other other reason, or, uh, you know, they get cold feet, he might stay in charge. But I just can't see how he can survive. There's been no evidence that the Springbok side has, has grown. You know, last week before the Irish game, it was all about continuity and rebuilding for 2019. He now makes 10 changes. Um, so what about continuity? So I'm I'm confused. I don't think... Is really a plan. It's just sort of winging it. Um, you know, Dwayne Vermeulen wasn't fit enough for the tour. That's why he wasn't selected originally, even though he had played one and a half club games before the tour started. Suddenly he's fit enough for the tour. You know, and then they try to spin it that, well, you know, he's got three fitness protocols and that's why we can call him in. They called him in for a prop, by the way. Um, so <laughs> to me, it just sounds like they, they, they're winging it as they go along and there's no real plan. It's all just sort of panic decisions. Yeah, I didn't want to point that out, that he came in for a prop, but I'm glad you did. Craig, there's, I mean, we, we need to clutch at straws here and things to motivate the box. Obviously, the decision in London this week to, to give the 2023 Rugby World Cup to, uh, to France. Do you think uh, that might fire the box up and get them G'd up for tomorrow's game? Uh, at least there's a bit of revenge on the table. We've got to get something. Oh, I don't know, Brad. I, if you're using that as motivation, then you really got a problem because... You know, win or lose this game, France are getting the World Cup. So, you know, in 2023. So, I don't think they they're going to be too worried about it. I can't see. You know, I don't think it's one thing I do agree with Alice because he said yesterday they're not going to use that as motivation. He said it was disappointing, and it is. But I can't see how that can be used as a motivation for a one-off game six years away from a tournament. Um, you know, this you know, this, this is all about just trying to show some pride in the Springbok jersey and winning a Test match. Really, let's talk about that decision midweek, Craig. Uh, 
came as a shock to to most of us, particularly in the build-up uh, with that technical report where we were announced as the preferred bidder. A bit of a hatchet job, if we have to be honest. Well, the whole of rugby's integrity is in tatters, I'm sorry to say, but uh, World Rugby made a big song and dance about the transparency of this process and the evaluation committee and the report was going to guide the voting of the World Rugby Council and clearly it didn't. And, you know, they went from transparency to a secret ballot and the voting came. So what happened to transparency then? That just disappeared. And what we saw was an old boys club uniting, European money essentially saying, basically they were sending a message to the rest of the world. The money and power of rugby lies in Europe. Um, and, you know, when it, comes to, when it comes to finances of rugby, when it comes to the big tournaments, Europe's where it's at, and Sanzar, although Sanzar countries are the most powerful in terms of historic results, um, you're a tier two nation when it comes to the financial world of rugby. So I can't see, after this result, with everything that went on, the technical report that nominated South Africa as the preferred candidate, and that should have been that. They should have won the vote 59 mil. Um, but they didn't. And I can't see now, realistically, how a World Cup can be held uh, in the Southern Hemisphere again. If the South African bid wasn't good enough this time around, um, well, what can the Southern Hemisphere do? I mean, Australia lies in a poor time zone for European money um, on, from, from TV, so you can't see them rushing back to Australia and New Zealand. Um, you know, 2023 France, uh, and then 2027 you know, the, the only other ground they could look to break is, is maybe the United States. And then 2031 will come back to Europe somewhere. Um, so I think the Southern Hemisphere is doomed for a World Cup for a long time because of this result. I mean, obviously, from a voting perspective, all the European nations, I think except Wales, voted for France. But the issue is closer to home as well. If you look at the voting blocks uh, with, with African rugby, I, I heard that yesterday and I, and I cannot believe it. T- t- tell us what happened. Yeah, Africa, Rugby Africa, they own two votes, they went to France. And uh, Japan, who are Sanzar allies, it's not a member of Sanzar because the Sunwolves play in Super Rugby, also voted for France, um, which is completely ridiculous. Uh, Sanzar and South Africa in particular have done a lot to develop Japanese rugby. South Africa in particular does a lot for rugby in Africa. Um, they allow Namibia and Zimbabwe to play in all our domestic amateur and professional competitions. The two employees of Rugby Afrique are housed at Saru's head office. They have offices there, which I, I understand they don't pay rent for. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that that sounds like you know, the, you're the mafia. Well, because we give you this, you've got to vote for us. All that South Africa was asking and all that Sanzal was asking was vote for the preferred candidate. That's exactly what the Sanzal partners did. They didn't vote for the preferred candidate. Had the preferred candidate been France, South Africa stated they would have voted for France because that's how the rules were. And all they expected was people to vote for the preferred candidate. Wales did it. Wales are coming under pressure now from from Ireland, saying, well, why didn't you vote for us? And Wales are saying, well, we voted for the preferred candidate. Those are the rules. Um, And, and, you know, it just boggles the mind that Africa, uh, you know, went against South Africa when they were the preferred candidate. It's just, it's ludicrous. And I think we're not going to hear that. It's not the end of this. I think rugby Africa is going to have to look to France for its funding. I had a heated um, interview with the president of Rugby Africa yesterday who basically was trying to say, well, you know, we've got two godfathers, we've got France and South Africa. So I asked him, well, how many African uh, teams or countries play in the French leagues? And uh, he couldn't answer me. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just a farce, really. 
Absolutely. Where, where to from here to wrap things up, Craig? Do we do we go and bid again? Because I think that's four in a row we've now lost. Or, or do we sit in our corner, cross our arms and go, well, we don't want it? Yeah, I suppose you've got to let the dust settle a little bit. Yuri Roo, I mean, he's exhausted and I actually feel for the guy a little bit. He actually said, though, you know, he said, well, you can never get it if you don't, if you don't bid. So I suppose you've got to keep trying if you really want the World Cup. But Mark Alexander, the president, just said, no, he can't see it on their watch. And I don't think on the current leadership's watch we'll see another bid. But, you know, future leadership might have a different view. Um, so I don't think we'll, we won't ever bid again. But, uh, you know, I think the rules have got to be changed. That whatever the technical report says, that's got to be binding. So that's got to be the, 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 the country that hosts it. Um, you know, whether or not that, that um, you know, the, the technical evaluation can be manipulated, I don't know. But there's probably less chance of that being manipulated than a vote. So I think the one rule change that's got to come is that the technical report has to be binding in the future. Crazy, crazy stuff. Craig Gray, thank you very much. Enjoy the rugby tomorrow. Let's hope it's a positive one for South Africa. But uh, I must tell you, after last week's performance, I don't, uh, I don't have too much hope, if I have to be honest. Yeah, I must say, I, I can't you know, muster too much enthusiasm. But you never know. It's a one-off game and anything can happen, as we saw at Newlands <laughs> when they played so well a few weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Craig Gray, thank you very much. Have a great weekend, mate. Cheers. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's it for the show for this evening. And this week, we're back again on Monday afternoon. Have yourself a superb weekend. SAFM Sports Special with John Carrick. We'll be keeping you up to date uh, throughout the weekend, Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Also, don't forget to tune in to AM Live. Coming up next, it is the Friday edition from myself, Brad Brown, and my entire team in Johannesburg this evening. Thanks uh, for listening, and have a great weekend. It is 7 o'clock.